I'm Tony Epstein, and this is the Magical Mystery Tour. Join us as we dive into the heart of things, exploring new ideas and new ways of seeing and being in this wondrous, crazy world we share together. This is a journey into sound. Brought to you in living color on WGDR. My guest is Emmy Leah. She's a renowned medium, trained psychotherapist, and energy therapist. She blends ancient wisdom passed down through the ages from her ancestors with modern day techniques that offer profound insights that create positive and lasting impacts in people's lives that help clients tap into what she calls their birthright codes to unlock their spiritual gifts and life purpose by understanding those codes and the energy field that influences them. Emmy Leah, welcome to the Magical Mystery Tour. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. From an early age, you knew that you had inherited some very unique gifts from your ancestors. Yes. I'd love to hear about that and about your ancestry or lineage and also whether that was through your direct family or not. Mm. So interestingly, I have a lot of pre-mortal life memories and I actually remember being born. And so a lot of where that stems from, the idea that I received maybe some of my soul gifts from my ancestry is it's a blend of my birth family, but a lot of my pre-mortal soul family. And I can only imagine they allowed me to keep my memories so that I would know where a lot of my soul gifts came from. I think digging into some ancestry, <laughs> um, I figured out that, you know, people have had a lot of empathic skills on my mother's side. And um, my father was pretty intuitive. He didn't really speak openly about his gifts, but I can say that it was probably a lot of my gifts were bolstered from my my birth family. But yeah, I did. I, I knew from a really, really, really early age. I mean, from being born to before I was one that I was able to see and hear spirits of all different types, not just ancestors, but angels and higher dimensional beings. And it was pretty normal for me to just sort of interact with them. I, my parents have video of me just this doesn't look so great, but chit-chatting with them. <laughs> so it looks like you're talking to yourself, but just things would move and it was normal for me. They were kind beings. They were, like I said, angelic beings. So it wasn't until I got human reaction that I realized that maybe that's not normal. So how early were you experiencing this? And were you experiencing this like at pre-verbal time in your life? And how is that relationship with pre-verbal experience considering your past, you know, experience coming into this life? Oh, that's such a unique question. So when I was born, I remember looking around the room and 
in my pre-mortal life, everybody sort of spoke to one another through the heart center. We could empathically understand what someone else was feeling. We were able to connect through the heart center. You could download infinite packets of information about someone else and what they wanted to convey in a really quick second. And so my memories of being born is sort of that jarring feeling of not being able to communicate like that. If you can imagine just all of a sudden, all I had was, you know, screaming and crying and I was confused that nobody could understand me. I had full, you know, adult thoughts in my mind, like this isn't right. I don't know where I am. Why am I stuck in a body? Those are complex thoughts, but I just wasn't able to communicate them. And that was, I think, my first real feeling of separation, not just feeling like I was disconnected from something that was pretty abundant in my pre-mortal life, which is just different communication. But secondly, having to wait for my senses to evolve so that I could communicate. And, you know, before I was one, I was able to walk and analyzing the room, analyzing my family. And they weren't just blabbering tiny thoughts. They were big thoughts like, oh, you must be my mother. You are a beautiful woman. I am happy to be here. What does this do? And just really big thoughts. To maybe further answer, spirit spoke to me from a really, really early age before I was able to walk in full thoughts as well. They would come to me before bed and they would say, we're so proud of you. You have so much to do in this life. Are you prepared to do this? I mean, that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody who isn't one yet. You know, and I was just like, of course, yeah, what do you need me to do? So my early memories are kind of the most, I guess, prominent ones before being able to speak. It's an interesting thought now that I I revisit that. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Oh, because much earlier in my life, I did a lot of wet and dry rebirthing to access birth memories, you know, to resolve early life trauma, birth trauma. And it's interesting how. Well, in our culture, because of the way people are born in the hospitals Mm -hmm. and are taken away from our mothers right away, and they don't really understand the essential connection between and the importance of that connection between the mother and infant and how important that is to preserve that as much as possible at that moment of birth so Mm -hmm. that we're all pretty much deeply traumatized into this experience of painful separation. And I also had this additional experience that I'm just connecting to my birth, not from direct memory or experience, but by association of, you know, intense claustrophobia and fear of being trapped in tight spaces, which which just hits me every once in a while, every several years in a way that I just can't help but desperately try to run away from that experience. So I'm curious about your memory, your direct experience of your Mm. birth and how you were born and like how enlightened your parents were about your birthing process and taking care of you at that moment and and the circumstances of that and how you, you responded to that. I'm grateful that you brought up claustrophobia. I think I would say that was my first human emotion of trauma. I mean, you can attest to this feeling of just all of a sudden it compounds, right? So when I was born, I don't remember, you know, the physical aspect of it. Like I didn't remember going through the birth canal, but I was in my pre-mortal life, this freedom feeling. And then I remember closing my eyes and then seeing the light and saying, here we go. And I almost felt my first spiritual emotion where I was terrified. And that was kind of what 
jarred the whole process was there in the pre-mortal life, you have this loving energy that is just abundant and everything. And then all of a sudden, right before I remember like closing my eyes to come here, I said, I can do this. And I just remember feeling just so much angst because I didn't know what to expect. And then waking up and feeling very, very tied to a limited sense of emotions, a limited sense of freedom because you're in this body. I remember, yeah, I didn't get to, you know, quote unquote, touch my mom. I was born in a generation. There was no like skin to skin kind of a thing. I remember being taken from her, looking around the room and seeing the doctor and just you're right. It was just so much trauma and it wasn't even physical trauma. It was emotional trauma, just being stuck and not comprehending. I was, I just kept saying to myself, this isn't right. This isn't right. And what is this feeling? I don't understand. And then, you know, to move beyond being born and, you know, they took me home. They know that I was different. I was already as a baby, just you know, pointing at things. And my parents in particular, my mother was and is Filipino. My father passed, but he was Caucasian. And they have kind of a unique back history to shorten it up. My my father owned newspapers. He was in media, but he, before he went to school for journalism, he wanted to be a pastor. And he had a very open relationship with, you know, spirit. He saw God as a loving God and was open to other people's experiences in religion. So he was probably my best hope for having an acceptance of my gifts. But he was also 21 years older than my mother. And so he came, you know, he's born in 1930. So I'm I'm sort of new age child just because I can see spirit. It was a little interesting to him. He was never opposed to it, but I don't think he cultivated it, if that makes sense. And I was never really shamed for it, but I was never lifted for it. That didn't come to way later in life when I was like, guys, this is who I am. So was it the same for you? Were your experiences cultivated by your ancestors? Um, I certainly didn't have as clear a sense of all of this as you do, mm, okay. you know, in a kind of tangible sense. I would say I started having my most aware, tangible mm -hmm. experiences that were out of the realm of this world when I was around nine or 10. Okay. Okay. And I had a, a pretty wide range of experiences. And because I had zero context in which to put them and understand them, I never spoke to anybody about them, mm. but they occurred for a period of time every night as I was falling asleep, you know, in that okay. in-between state. And, yeah. and I do clearly remember that before all of that happened, one day I just very, very clearly heard a voice tell me that I was going to go through some very challenging experiences, mm. but that it would be okay. That's interesting. But I mean, like, how did that make you feel? Because I was never encouraged to say like, oh, you are going to go through a lot. Like my pre-early memories were very much about just this expectation that I would. And mm. so, you know, I had a very large angelic being that was with me from the very beginning, but his was like, you remember why you're here, you know what you're doing. And so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get the pep talk. I would have loved a pep talk to be like, hey, you're kind of different. That might not be so easy. It's going to be a little challenging. So do you think that helped you to hear like you're going to go through some difficulty or do you think that made it more difficult? I certainly don't think it made it any more difficult. Mm. I think I was being prepared for 
a journey that okay. was very, very otherworldly. And probably the most intense part of what I went through was like an experience of like, I can only most closely correlate it with dying, like every night okay. going into a very deep, 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 dark, dark place where I didn't even exist. And then it's like, well, it's, I, I'm fumbling with language. And then I would like sort of become aware of where I was or where I wasn't and propel myself like a rocket up through like many, many, many layers of darkness until I would literally leap physically out of my bed onto my feet, gasping desperately for air. Ooh, that's intense. Yeah. And this happened every night for a period of time that I don't know how long it was. And I was also having a bunch of other very different experiences along with that. And I don't think I was scared because I was so immersed in the experience, but it was very intense and just a totally embodied kind of an experience. There was no language for it. As I said earlier, I had zero context in which to place it or to understand it. So I was just experiencing it directly, kind of like what I sense your experience was. You were just having this very embodied experience. And when I say embodied, I don't mean just physically embodied, but our our whole being. Whole being, embodied. right? Yeah. 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 Which our culture doesn't tell us about or, or doesn't no. embrace <laughs> no. at all. Yeah. No. I mean, just growing up, I don't know if you grew up in a religious system, you know, it was Christian, but it was always about what we were doing right or wrong in life. There was no talk of this complete embodiment of heart and soul and mind and spirit and energy and connection. So yeah, it's almost like you toil and experience all of that in quiet is what I kind of heard from you because it was the same for me. I would just sort of do it in quiet. And it was only when my parents would look over at me and I would talk to them about things that I, I shouldn't have knowledge of. Like my mom always said, oh, you know, until you were four years old, you were like my best friend. She's like, you'd ask me these bold questions about, you know, am I happy? And what does that mean? And, you know, I could sense that you aren't. And she was just like, where do you come up with this stuff? And I was like, oh, I don't know, mom. Like I was just observing you and it seems like, and you're still working through. And she's just like, what is this craziness that you think about? And I was like, well, mom, it's about letting go and, you know, don't create your own misery. And she's like, what? <laughs> are you being like this? Go outside and play. And I'm like, okay. You know? <laughs> so at what point did you start to maybe feel like you were supported? Because I mean, I didn't figure out that all of this was birth ancestry until gosh, college. I just kind of pieced it together. I guess you could say maybe like you and quiet and saw the world, I guess, through a different lens. I definitely felt segregated from people. I felt like I was always analyzing things from this whole bodyment perspective and trying my best to fit in just physically and emotionally. But it was difficult. It was hard to reconcile this old soul with maybe this young body. I don't know if you felt that way, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love I love hearing your story. And, and I love how you came in with a pre-life mm. wisdom still in your being, still yeah. fully, fully present in your being. And I have no memory of anything like that in my life, but I also didn't feel like I fit in at all because yeah. there was something 
very profoundly affecting about the experiences I was having. And in addition to that, I also experienced a lot of emotional and psychological trauma that made me feel deeply insecure about myself. So, mm -hmm. and that, and I know that that often accompanies many people who yeah. are, you know, quote unquote, gifted and challenged in that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? That was well said. Gifted yeah. and challenged. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I take that with me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think only as an adult can I really say, oh, gifted and challenged, but it just felt like challenged when you're young. And you know, if I'm being honest, my pre-mortal life memories is I was really afraid to come here. The idea of a physical incarnation was something that I had angst over. And oddly enough, angst was an odd emotion in my pre-mortal life. Like everything was this ultra connection to source and spirit, this loving energy of support. You know, the idea is that if we experience trauma in our pre-mortal life, that we had this this loving energy, they they called it the halcyon thread. It was like this thread of idyllic living. And it wasn't that we were always meant to be happy. It's that trauma was supposed to be softened, that, that our experiences were meant to be softened so that we could do the emotional work to work through, grow, and raise our vibration, our frequency, in essence. But here in the physical world, as you talk about trauma, I mean, that hits, that hits my heart because I just feel like it's a sharp trauma. It creates, I mean, I don't know if you feel this way, but just these energetic blocks of, of stagnancy that we either learn to live with or work around. And I guess we call it shadow work now or, you know, energetic work, or, I mean, there's a million terms for it, but they just sort of block our energetic body. And then it sort of limits our connection to self and source or, you know, guides or clear senses because this trauma just becomes like in my mind when I look at people like a hardened rock and as you talk about your trauma that's what it feels like to me right it's just it's so jarring here in the physical world that it takes a lot to soften the experience so that it can be released it's like going and getting a massage until you do that it's just ouch <laughs> you know and yeah. it, it changes us here by what spirits told me, I don't think it was supposed to be like that. I don't think we were supposed to experience, not that we weren't supposed to experience pain, heartache, loss, or any of that stuff. That was all supposed to be part of our human experience, but not to the point where it requires this immense ancestral deep dive to sort of break apart those trauma blocks. I mean, do you think, you know, growing up, if you'd known that, if you'd been like, hey, if I can just soften some of these experiences I'm feeling, you know, the self-conscious voice and subconscious tapes that sort of come from that, you know, just, just to have it softened. Don't you think that would have been like exponentially easier to just sort of grow from it rather than maybe getting stuck? Cause I got stuck. I definitely, they became overwhelming. They sort of stacked until you feel stuck. Mm, yeah. I, I hear you loud and clear, but <laughs> yeah, my sense. And I totally went through, I mean, I, I described a bit of that I don't think that we are meant to soften that experience Ooh, in this okay. life. I think part of the gift is the challenge to go through it mm. the hard way. It's like, I still have this embodied sense when I do something that takes me from my comfort zone, you know, over the cliff into the unknown. There's an embodied sense of fear that I either have to get over to do it or yeah or to just retreat and say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm too scared. I love that. Okay. And I think life is full of that. I mean, over mm -hmm. and over and over again, 
I've had, and I think it pretty much, I mean, not everybody, I think, but there are probably some people who, who live their lives fearlessly. I have a younger brother who's essentially fearless and does, <laughs> you know, extreme, crazy, insane things. And he just thrives on that. He's kind of like an adrenaline junkie. And he's totally the opposite of me in that way. But I also remember being so desperate from my feeling of separation and alienation from mm. my sense. Like I had the sense that everybody else was fine and normal and that I was the one who was so yeah. intensely messed up and other and that I felt this intense desperation to resolve that in some way and to, you know, change myself so that I could fit in so that I could be like everybody else or to be normal and to feel it's not to be normal, but to feel, feel nor normal. Yeah. yeah. Feel nor feel like I'm okay. I never felt that I was okay. And that made me so, so desperate. And I feel very strongly that I've been very much guided in my life. Other than that one very clear voice, I have never seen or heard my angels or guides or anyone in a tangible way. And yet I very, very clearly have this sense of being guided through my life. Like very early, I was guided in a very spiritual direction and got involved in a community where we were doing very deep, intensive psycho-spiritual work to resolve those traumas, like, you know, yeah. to, to soften the traumas. And, yeah. but, but I was very young and I didn't have much context in which to know how to really embody it and to truly understand the trauma that I was working on and trying to clear so that it took me pretty much my entire life to integrate all that work that I did many years mm -hmm. ago. And it really has borne fruit. I mean, I feel like so much has been resolved to the point where I feel like I can totally relax into my natural state of being, you know, what's often referred to as presence and the ability to just simply be present in the moment, which back in those days, you know, is a simple concept. And yet it's virtually impossible to do because of all the many layers of things that are separating us from that. Yeah. I mean, well, that's beautiful. That's the journey, right? You've kind of done the rebirth over and over and over where you sink into what needs to be challenged and then you dig deep. And I, I mean, it is a soul dig deep to kind of come out of what needs to be shed so you can rise, I guess. Yeah. So I, I love that you say things don't need to be softened because ultimately I think that's what spirit wants for us is to take this beautiful physical incarnation and just, you know, rise exponentially to places that maybe wouldn't happen if we were ultimately comfortable, if everything was easy, if we didn't have timelines, if we were just, you know, given bliss rather than, I guess, trauma or just, just anything that challenges our soul, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like my own, you know, sense of understanding about this is that this life, you know, this mm -hmm. physical material life is not meant to be comfortable. Yeah. It's a world of duality where all experience of joy and pleasure is coupled with, you know, pain and confusion and mm -hmm. challenges so that we can truly learn the great lessons that come with this very unique kind of 
world or realm or platform that we get to work within, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not a comfortable journey, though. No. (laughs) (laughs) Comfortable and normal. I would say those are the two words that challenge me most. No, it's not comfortable. It's always a little and cozy. And even though, you know, I talked about how I, I felt very guided at many points in life, there were also long periods of time which felt interminable, where I felt like I was just sitting in limbo, waiting for something. Have you ever had any experience of that? Yeah. I mean, when you're younger, I don't think you realize you're waiting. I mean, I went through a period between probably middle school and then up through high school before, right before college, where I felt the most quote unquote normal, but that's because I had suppressed the majority of my gifts. I had become nearly obsessed with wanting to be like everybody else. And I don't know if I would call it waiting, but in reflection, I think my soul was waiting. My soul was trying to figure out where I fit into this incarnation. And the more that I suppressed my gifts, the easier it was to connect with the whole, right? So the majority of people, I wasn't just limited to a subset of people who didn't think I was crazy. I would say that my network of humans, whether it was a rich network or not, was the greatest when I had suppressed all of my stuff. But then there came this point where after I graduated, I was kind of going into college and I was excited about what I was going to become. I think spirit was like enough you know, who you are going to become on this path is nothing like what your divine purpose is going to be. And I will say at that point, I felt that real deep soul waiting of what is happening next. And I just started to see my soul kind of splinter. I don't know if you've ever felt that where you have one aspect of yourself that is tugging you to be authentic, to be in your real presence, in your divine power. And then you have this other aspect where the world is telling you, but be worldly, be like everyone else. And I kind of, rather than taking action, sat in the center of that and was just sort of waiting. And that led in the world of depression. I think that's where I didn't feel connected to either aspect of myself. I wasn't connected to the world and I wasn't connected to myself and I wasn't connected to my authenticity. And so you just sort of sit in the void and wait and then we're conditioned. I mean, I don't know. I can speak about myself. Just conditioned to be doing, right? Then we're purposeful. We're not doing anything that we're not purposeful. And I think at that point, I just fell into the abyss of like, well, what's next? What's next? What's next? And I learned later on the presence of the now, which sort of comes from learning to be present in the waiting, having grace for your energy in the waiting. I mean, did you feel that way when you were waiting? Did you feel a peace about it or was it like a longing? (laughs) I just love the way you described all of that. I actually felt the exact same way that you did in it, except that I didn't have a clear sense that it was a struggle between my embodying my sense of authenticity and at the same time, my presence in the world. Um, I was caught in the middle of those two dynamics without any clear sense of what those dynamics were. I just felt completely like splintered and mm. paralyzed in it. Not paralyzed, paralyzed, but but just stuck because I had no, no idea which way to go or how to proceed. And I just felt like I was in this place for, you know, for eternity, you know, numerous times in my young adulthood mainly. Okay. So what pulled you out of it? What what pulled you out of that splintering abyss out of curiosity? I think it was just 
spending so much time in it that I kind of forgot that I forgot the struggle because I think I, I would identify with my feeling of being stuck, which just made me feel more stuck. And then somehow or other, I mean, I don't know how it happened. It would just dissolve in a way. And then I would move on. Something would happen, <laughs> you know, but I don't yeah. have any clear memory of, of any of those things or of what, the shift. Yeah. Right, or what <laughs> caused it. It was like, I just experienced being stuck and it's kind of a, a recurring metaphorical experience, both on a psychological, emotional and physical level. Like the claustrophobia mm -hmm. is a very kind of profoundly emotionally tinged physical sensation. Oh, yeah. And yet, you know, it would just come and go. You know, it's like the challenge arising to remind me that this is what I have to face. And more recently, I've had those experiences, but I brought to it a clear desire to just stay present as it happens. And the last time it happened was a couple of years ago. And as it was happening, it just barely occurred to me that I could relax, but I was so desperate to get out of that feeling that I still jumped up out of my stillness yes. to escape it. So I feel like I missed that opportunity to totally let go into it, but it hasn't recurred. And I do feel less fear around it because one of the mm. fears that I've carried about that is that I could end up you know, dying in this life and still having to go through that whole lesson all over again, the hard way. And it's so painful and so uncomfortable yeah. that that brings with it a tremendous amount of dread. <laughs> you're, you're like, I am determined to get this one right because I don't want to repeat this one. <laughs> yeah. It's like recently yeah. I was reading about St. Teresa of Avila. Her experience of hell is that visceral sense of claustrophobia where, where you're Ooh. completely trapped. And that's Ooh. that's my embodied sense of what hell would be if there was such a thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is my purgatory. I will agree with you on that. We are on the same page. Just stuck. I have to commend you though. I love hearing people's stories, but yours specifically of just having to move through the experience and just, it. it's a self thing. You know, it's like you reach down into your own soul and you grab yourself out of it. You know, there's pluses and minuses to everything. There's pros and cons. Unlike you, I feel like when I would hit that wall of claustrophobia, it's almost like having, um, not the overbearing parent, I want to say that kindly, but kind of, where spirit's like, I'm going to kick you through this and you're going to come out on the other side, but you have one choice and that is to either own your authenticity and your purpose or stay where you're at. And so I don't know what one's better. I think there's, like I said, pros and cons to both because there's something really powerful and pulling. I just see us like reaching down into our own soul and pulling ourselves out of that space of difficulty and having somebody else guide you through it. I feel like there's like quantum growth when we do it ourselves, not that we need to, because obviously I don't know who or what we, you know, you or the listeners believe in, but just, just that faithful God source creator universe, whoever, higher self, that when we partner with them, there's beauty in it. But there's also beauty in taking control of our own soul and doing what's necessary to want to change, especially when you feel like you're in a two by two box and 
nothing's quite going right and there's no real pathway to turn to change your circumstances. You're just sort of, you know, smushed and stuck. And so I think there's such beauty and duality in our experiences, however we get to where we're going. And, you know, I'm grateful for all my pre-life memories. I'm grateful for all of the eternal guidance that I get in its non-conventional form, but they've definitely stepped away in my life. And I don't, I don't necessarily know if I'd be able to say like, oh yeah, I, I did it all on my own without somebody coming and spiritually really guiding me and being like, hey, I mean, you are not on path for what you need to be doing. And the reason you feel separation or uncomfortability with the people in your life or whatever you're working on is because you're not aligned. And I see that you were able to kind of pull yourself through it in through your own inner guidance, which is what they want for us, that we grow our our inner intuition, that small light voice inside of ourselves that says, got to keep going. You got to keep changing. You're doing this correctly. This is a lesson. You're going to grow from this. It's better on the other side. You know, trust yourself. So it's exciting to hear people who have sort of maybe struggled a little, but then at the same time figured out like, this is not a place I want to stay. Unfortunately, so many my clients and some people I've met in this spiritual walk have said, I just don't want to go back to it. I I think I'd rather be comfortable and ignore all of that than ever go back to that feeling. And I have to respect it. It's hard. It's really hard to want to grow <laughs> when you're left alone in that space. Yeah. But I don't think, and I, I'm sure you, your understanding is the same, that there's no escape from that. No, and, there isn't. And the lesson that I feel like I have learned about this is that mm-hmm. I actually need to stay present with the direct experience for as long as it takes for me to make peace with it. And that Mm -hmm. means in the hot, hard moment. Yeah. Be center, be in the now. Yeah. And allow myself to dissolve into the most intense and fearful circumstance itself, like being completely physically trapped. Like one of my recurring images caused by reading something is being buried alive and being given a straw to breathe through. So it's like, you don't even have the luxury of being able to die. You're just stuck. That's like the (laughs) the worst imagery imaginable for me. And just sharing it. Yeah. I'm I'm not really feeling it right now, fortunately, but uh, yeah, that's one of those recurring fears that I don't know. Maybe I've made a fair amount of peace with that at this point. I'm going to go ahead and say yes, because I don't have that kind of coziness with that idea. I mean, my hands are sweating as you're telling me that. I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess I could work really hard to lean into that and be okay with it. But you have a piece that I don't know if I have. Yeah, my hands are very sweaty. Just the idea of being underwater with a straw. That's, ooh. Yeah. And out of control. Yeah. I don't know that I have made peace with this at all. I mean, I certainly don't want to jinx myself by even beginning to think that, but uh, unless you have something more to say about that, I would love to, I'd I'd love to hear about some of your gifts and how they have unfolded in your life Mm -hmm. and how you've come to recognize them and to find a beneficial use for them in Mm. your life and also in the world around you. Oh, I think so. You know, to just talk to the spiritual growth, I guess, and my spiritual gifts, I again will always lean on the fact that I was really clear with my guides before coming here that I wanted to have specific memories 
I don't know why, and I'm still putting this together. I was obsessed with making sure that I could always talk to them and I would never forget. I have a very clear pre-mortal memory of sitting nearly on clouds, looking down on earth and saying, you better not leave me. I don't want to forget. You can thin the veil, but don't, don't make it so thick. I can't hear you. I'm not going if you don't. And that could have been selfish. I don't really know. I do remember two guides kind of giving each other the side eye, like, okay, but this is going to make you very different. And that's not easy on the earth plane. But for whatever reason, I think that has really been the foundation of my spiritual gifts because we come here by my understanding and by my memories, and it can be different for everybody, that we are here to grow, to you know, work through our karmic and generational contracts, to grow as a, a soul, to embody new emotion, to understand the physical experience, um, so many things, right? And so everything that I've ever wanted has been on the other side of uncomfortable or difficult. So I'm deeply, deeply, deeply afraid of spiders. I can't tell you how scared I am. I mean, if they catch me off guard, I faint. It's an ongoing joke amongst my friends. But during some of my most interesting and spiritual challenges, they kind of show up. And I decided one day that I was going to sit there and I was not going to kill this spider. I wasn't going to scream. I wasn't going to faint. I was just going to stare at it. And we spent a good 30 minutes just staring at each other. And I was like, you're not bad, are you? And I heard him audibly say no. He said, I... And the representation of everything you really want from this experience, you have to stop running. And he turned around. I had my my door open to my bedroom and he walked out of my bedroom and I let him go. And I was like, that is the oddest thing that's ever happened to me. I don't really understand what that means. But I would say that that's kind of the best way to describe my gifts is that every time I would sort of get comfortable with the weirdness, the fact that I could see people and as they talked about their struggles their life path threads, and that's the best way I can describe it, would start to illuminate from their body. And I would just stare at it. And I used to just be like, I don't understand what this is. I see people's little threads and I go to other spiritual people and I was like, what is that? And I've just kind of had to term it on my own. It's just life path threads that each of us have free will. And as people sort of weigh out what they want to do, these threads light up. And I've learned that my gifts are really about helping people soften whatever they need to, to get through some of these lessons. Because I've been brought people that are really, really, really stuck. They desperately want to change. They don't know what they're even fighting. And sometimes it's pre-life trauma. Sometimes it's generational trauma. Sometimes it's this physical life trauma. And it's not about erasing it. We aren't able to erase those lessons. But if there is a massive desire to soften it, to work with it, to get through it, I think that's when I've been called in. And as my gifts have evolved, I've learned that I wasn't just meant to talk to spirit. I was meant to help people sort of embark on their highest ascension journey, which is live a life of authenticity and step into their birthright gifts. We were born with these innate sense of, you know, some people are outgoing, some people are introverts, some people are great at painting, some people have these other hidden talents. Those are all things that gently guide us towards what we're really supposed to be doing. That's why we're always searching for what makes us happy. And my gifts have sort of just evolved into helping people based on what I can see, embody those authentic birthright gifts to move into a path of purpose. And that that in turn helps humanity because we're living and we're contributing to the collective whole from an authentic place of happiness. 
and then law of attraction, we're happy. Other things around us are going to be happy. And then it just sort of ripples out from there. So I don't know if I've answered your question, but that's sort of what the evolution has felt like. It's been this, hey, I can see these life path threads. Hey, I can see these energetic codes that we're born with. They look like templates. And then when they consider things, it's our environment that brings in other energetic codes and just the whole interactive, um, I'm going to call this like positive matrix, the whole system of things working in harmony and just sort of nudging people to be bold, be brave, be brighter, be better when they felt kind of stuck. I love that. I just want to briefly clarify. I don't disagree with the motivation to soften things. I Mm. also deeply want to help people soften things. Yeah. My point was just that I don't think that this world is meant to do that for us, that in this world, we have to go through it the hard way. But But the journey is to actually, you know, the wisdom and spiritual journey is to go right through the heart of Mm. all the hardness and all the challenges so that we end up being soft with the hardness, being soft with the challenges so that that allows us to be fully present with it, just as what you did with the spider, which to me is is totally a parallel with what I've been trying to do with my claustrophobia. It's it's a weird experience, right? You stop fighting, you stop panicking, and you just acknowledge it. It's hard. And in terms of what we're brought up with in this culture, it is 100% counterintuitive, right? Yes. Yes. It is undoing the foundation of what we're told to do, which is react. react. Exactly. It's like we're bucking the tide of our instinctual lizard brain survival response, (laughs) right? Fight or flight. (laughs) Yeah. So getting back to those threads that you see in people, Mm -hmm. you know, as like seeing their authentic path. How do you read that in people and then help to guide them from that kind of visual or astrally visual gift that you have and perspective? I think I guide people through their own internal exploration. And so what happens is somebody will come to me and I, I ask permission to look at their energy And in my early days before I understood it, I would just talk out loud. I was like, while you're talking, I see these life paths. I don't know how you connect with this. And then as my gifts have evolved today, now someone can come to me and say, I am just really stuck between, you know, these four decisions. I haven't felt really great in my career. I'm in this, you know, traumatic relationship that's sort of draining me. And I just have them talk. And then as they're talking, I'm led through intuitive questions like, you know, well, have you experienced this and what that meant? I I don't like to say psychic because I would never say that I'm psychic. I'm just always channeling from their guides, like what they need to sort of explore. But as they talk through their options, as we talk through some of these questions, like, you know, were you ever good at this? Did you ever consider that? Have you, how does this feel? It's almost like these memories that were suppressed kind of come to the surface you watch people have light bulbs and all of a sudden the little threads that are kind of coming out from them, they get pruned. We fine tune our options to sort of align with what we really need or what's going to make us happy. And they just get brighter as people 
kind of talk through their options. So it's a part exploration, part intuitive guidance, part soul teaching to kind of come back to self. And a lot of my clients will leave saying, you know, I just forgot how to trust myself, how to listen to my intuition, how to remember that I have everything within me to get through what is difficult. And I think trauma, just based on so many readings, trauma has been kind of always rises to the top for when we forget. We experience something really hard that doesn't go the way we planned. And then we second guess ourselves. And then we stop listening to what we have faith in. We have a hard time making decisions. And it's just this sort of little process in the beginning of one, starting to trust ourselves again, and then two, opening up ourselves to other infinite possibilities. Because there's the life plan we planned for ourselves. There's the soul lessons that we chose before coming here. And then there's our current incarnation experience. And sometimes we're way off to the left doing things that don't make us happy, or we're kind of in the middle and we've got it under control, or we're, you know, chasing something so hardcore. And now we are in that rebirth where our life is saying, you got to let it all go because you're going to level up. And when you level up, that sometimes means that there's going to be a massive pruning and we need to rework what we've been working towards because it doesn't align anymore. And so it's all of that combined in sort of a reading and then sort of intuitive exploration. Does that make sense? <laughs> I love that. Especially like the imagery is is like coming back to ourselves and then pruning away all those episodes of seeking, you know, the deeper meaning that we thought we were going to get from pursuing these other outer yes. things. Yes. And recognizing that, oh yeah, that was another cul-de-sac. That was another dead end and pruning it so that, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like in the Hindu tradition, they have this thing called neti, netiti, which is okay. the process of coming to realization and enlightenment through the process of one by one, realizing all the things that we're not and that aren't our path, you know, the hard way. <laughs> the hard way. <laughs> Which fortunately is not necessarily everybody's path at, at no. the very least. Although no. we have to go through some of that, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. Love that. Yeah. And I love the way you said that you don't consider yourself to be psychic. However, from my conversations with people about these kind of things, Different people are psychic in very, very different ways. And the way that you, I would say, you know, in a broad sense, are psychic is a very practical and beneficial way that is very helpful. It's an effective thing rather than just being psychic, you know, for psychic Mm -hmm. sake, which to me is meaningless. And in fact, is another dead end cul-de-sac that that eventually needs to get pruned, right? Yeah. 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 Sometimes, you know, I always try to be very respectful of people's gifts. But I I mean, it, it, I have to agree. Spirit was really clear with me. They were like, you are here to guide people back to self. You're here to guide people back to their inner flame. And their inner flame is actually the beholden of all answers. And so I really haven't challenged myself to define the psychic. But I do really feel and resonate with what you're saying. And, you know, I've felt really stuck and I've been grateful for some psychic intuition, but it really did ultimately come back to me making my own decisions. You can take all of that beautiful guess what's what ifs and say, here's what's coming down the pike for you. But if you're not in touch with your inner flame to say, okay, I know what is going to be best for me. I know what I want to try. I know what I want 
to become. I'm not going to lose myself in this process or completely lose myself in the hopes of rebirthing. I think that the psychic guidance can definitely be something that people hold on to and can't move forward. I mean, in my early readings, I would have people and I used to say like, I can't be your on-call psychic. I can't be like, well, what do I do now? And I'm like, you have to, let's try. Let's guide you through your own, what should you do now? And I think it's like giving somebody the cake or teaching them how to bake one, right? Learning how to empower others is hopefully what the psychic assistance turns into. And we can also ask for help when we feel stuck and don't know what to do. But that's a tricky thing because we often forget that we have that option. And really to ask for help in that way is to reach out to the vast unknown that in those moments when we feel stuck, is pretty much incomprehensible to us. So it's like, we don't even have the relationship with that possibility to even know that we have that option to ask because we have no idea what we can be asking of for help. Mm -hmm. And for us to even realize what we're asking help from is at least halfway there already, right? I love that. The fact that you're asking means that you're halfway there. You're doing the soul work, you're digging. And that's, and that you've remembered yeah. who, who you really are and where you come from and what we're connected to, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You're asking because something doesn't feel right. Right. And it's in those moments when we feel most disconnected that we need that help the most. And that's also the moment when we are least in touch with the possibility that it's even available. <laughs> Isn't, that that the irony? Isn't yeah. that the irony? Yeah. It's like the ultimate kind of spiritual catch-22. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what those states of limbo that I felt like I spent eternity in was sitting in that exact place with no escape and no hope whatsoever. Yeah. See, it still makes me sweaty. So I have some inner work to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's wonderful. I mean, you have so much fun ahead of you. So many wonderful things to experience. And me too, <laughs> in ways that I don't even know. I mean, that's the, that's like the nature of it is that what we most have to work on is what we're least aware of. Ooh, yes. It becomes fun when you find that to be a fun challenge, when it doesn't become daunting. Like, oh, what I don't know, I don't know. And I'm okay with that because that means there's exciting change on the horizon rather than like, oh, I got to figure this all out because I don't want to be in that abyss feeling again. So shift and change. The never-ending cycle of physical incarnation, growth, change, evolution. Yeah. And at a certain point, after having enough of these experiences, you get a sense that this universe actually is a friendly place Mm. that fits me like a glove. It's not the cold, random, chaotic, you know, hard, cold universe that our materialist culture makes it out to be. And therefore, we don't have to be so afraid of these unknown challenges that are ahead of us that we can't see into, that we can begin to develop a kind of trust in, in that journey so that we can take those leaps into the unknown. Without complete terror. I mean, there may still be a considerable amount of terror, but at least it's sort of like you have an oxygen tank with some presence, some yes. a, a kind of developed, <laughs> embodied sense of connection with the warm, caring, loving 
universe that yeah. we are inextricably a part of. And, and that's like the difference. Once we, we connect with that deeper sense of who we are, we discover that we are connected with that universe mm -hmm. that previously mm -hmm. we were completely disconnected with and that was cold and hard and mm -hmm. was just traumatizing us every chance yeah. it could get, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you described it perfectly. It's, I don't know, I was thinking about my clients as you were talking about just maybe I would say like the arc of kind of coming back to center, coming back to connection, coming back to peace in our physical incarnation. And then, you know, wherever else our souls are existing simultaneously in other dimensions. I think it's just this idea that like, I love to encourage my clients to make peace with change. And I think that is sort of the bridging factor that kind of softens the fight against our physical universe. You know, we are part of it as a whole. And when we can become comfortable, because we know ourselves enough, you know, know thyself first and then make peace with change, then it becomes this loving connection of trust and it becomes a dance rather than a fight. And yeah, you don't fear the unknown. You start to, I don't know, I guess I crave it at some points in my life. It's not always easy, but I do. I want to, I want to infinitely grow. And that does always mean like redefining, rechanging, growing and expanding beyond what I was yesterday. And I can't always say that that's been the easiest, you know, to change. I've heard a lot like, oh, you made me change. I lost myself. And I was like, well, you know, that can be a great and a sad thing all at the same time. Because usually when you lose yourself, you find a new version of yourself. And if you can make peace with that, then there's a million infinite better versions of you waiting in the wings or existing on other planes that kind of whisper and call to us. So yeah, it's about, I don't know, evolution, right? <laughs> Just stepping outside of all that uncomfortable or making peace with the uncomfortable and then moving through it to rise above it. I don't know. You've, you've left me with lots to think about today. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you described that. And what occurred to me was that it can be so exciting when, when you find yourself up against that. It's not yeah. always terrifying. Sometimes the old fear turns into this excitement. Oh, wow. There's this incredible adventure into the vast, completely dark unknown. And it's only dark because it's unknown. Right? Yes. Yes. And it's up to us to bring our inner light to it, right? We get to shine our light on it and it becomes what we are. It's I don't, I just, yeah. I keep seeing things dancing. So it feels like this give and take into the darkness rather than just, you know, apprehensively approaching the darkness, like, oh gosh, what lies behind the unknown instead of just excited. So I mean, yeah. how different would our lives be if we approach things like that? Yeah, exactly. Like the understanding that we are the flashlight, you know, when we step into the unknown, we are actually creating a new relationship with the unknown that changes. It's kind of like we are light. And as we yeah. enter the unknown, it just naturally illumines what's there. It may, may not be instantaneous and it may take a lot of work, you know, to work with the unknown elements that we find in the unknown. It, it's like there may be work to do. It may, may even be really challenging. It might even be painful, you know, our, our initial encounters in there. But if we can you know, stay present and continue to move forward. And this is like making me reflect back on those old times where I felt really stuck or really lost and alienated. Those are like those experiences in the dark that as we gradually become aware of our presence in them to whatever limited degree, 
we are very, very slowly, sometimes it's very slow, bringing light to it. And in the initial stages, it can still be extremely uncomfortable, especially when it feels interminable. But uh-huh. it, wow. it is happening, right? It is mm-hmm. happening. And over time, you can gradually trust that, okay, yes, as we do this work, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be, or it could be, and that's not a bad thing. In fact, it's a sign of the wonder that we're entering into, right? Yeah. It's like I magic. Mean, it's magic. It's like the true magic. It's like the double-edged sword of everything. We can either focus on the fear of the potential or we can realize that, yes, the sword cuts, but it also cuts open these new pathways through the unknown that that expose the magic and the treasure that actually brings us back to who we are right? Isn't that where yes. it's all taking us when we yep. when we really fully wrap our puny little minds around? <laughs> <laughs> right? The, our, our tiny little perceptions of things. It's funny because I have to joke that, you know, these higher density beings are probably like, oh, good job. You can do it. You know, when we're like, aha. And they're like, <laughs> it's always full circle. I mean, as you talk about the way that you were describing your experience of claustrophobia to the way that you are reflecting on it now, I can't help but think, you know, if we are the inner light and we're bringing the inner light to the darkness, it always comes back to also being excited about self. Like what we are hoping to embark on is not just in the external sense, but the internal sense. Like what aspects of ourselves need to evolve and change as we embark into that deep, empty abyss that used to feel so daunting. When we know we have our own inner light and we make peace with the fact that there's a good chance that our inner light is going to you know, dim, evolve, grow, expand, come back to center, do its whole little evolutionary process, that it's expansion on every level, internal, external. And sometimes I think in my early understanding of growth, like I wasn't always cozy with the internal change. My stability came from making sure that my light stayed the same exact all the time. And once I figured something out, I wasn't really cozy with you know, digging internally and rooting out all the stuff that I didn't want to focus on and, you know, look externally beyond me to fix other things rather than just going, you know what, I am a whole, I'm going to walk into this darkness. I'm going to wait for everything around me to be magic, but also to allow the magic within me to expand. And that's its own duality of claustrophobia. And I think it's exciting as you talk about, you know, turning our claustrophobic moments into magic that I think just in my own personal reflection, I probably want to challenge myself to continue to evolve internally so that my external can also be magic. It's just, it's a lot of soul work. And then it's a lot of being okay with your surroundings changing. Change. It's all just change. Just grow. (laughs) Experience the magic. Open up. Right, right. They all say that the only constant in the universe is change. So we have to <laughs> we have to find a way to make peace with that. And that's the thing that we do our best in this world to mitigate is change and the effect of change on us. And yet it seems to me that the ultimate purpose of change is actually to propel our spiritual growth. I agree. Which I wholeheartedly agree. And this also relates to this experience of our own inner light that I think from our culture, we're looking to the outside for everything. And that includes, we're looking for the light to come from the outside. Like Mm -hmm. we're looking for the light switch. Mm -hmm. We're looking for the technique or the outer person or the outer guide to illuminate 
the darkness and the unknown and the yeah. pain. But really, we eventually have to come around the hard way, you know, through repeated experience over and over again of recognizing that the light that we think is coming from all these other sources is only coming from within ourselves. Yes. Yes. I guess that's like external validation, right? How often we seek external validation, something outside of ourselves to validate our internal light. Yeah. And I'm only really thinking of all this in these terms because I'm having this conversation with you. And I'm so grateful that I'm getting to bounce these things off of you and, and bounce off of you to do that. Oh, thanks. It's been a same. It's been fun to really deep dive into this whole soul journey. I mean, it's one thing to know what your gifts are. It's another to kind of dissect it and to dissect your experience. It's been a lot of fun to kind of just break down what this internal journey is really about. And I mean, I've had an amazing time. I haven't really thought about all of these facets from this perspective. I think I'm going to take claustrophobia with me on another level, just so you know. So thanks for that. <laughs> I'm hoping that that it's going to take claustrophobia to another level for me too. <laughs> yeah, a happier one. Maybe you'll get a bigger straw. We're going to hope for that. <laughs> Fingers crossed, right? <laughs> right. I'm talking with Emilia. And this is the Magical Mystery Tour, WGDR Plainfield and WGDH Hardwick, Central Vermont Community Radio. So getting back to um, your gift, which is recognizing these threads, which you also refer to as these codes, um, you have this term birthright codes. Is yeah. that the same as what you were talking about? So I don't know when, it was in my adult years. I saw an archangel, it was actually Metatron. He works with all this sacred geometry. And it was in meditation that I sat next to him and I said, hey, I'm going to kind of poke at you. What is all the sacred geometry? And he's like, it's the existence. At the mathematical core of everything that we have, he's like, it can be quantified on sort of this like mathematical level. And I use that in our plain terms because he was speaking to me about quantum physics. And I was like, you lost me. My tiny brain does not comprehend all the wonderful things you're talking about. But the way he broke it down is he's like, each of you are born with an internal template. And I loved that idea. He's like, think about it as you are your own little computer system interfacing with the network of existence. And he's like, you are born with your own certain hardware, the things that make you operate, the things that you were intended to help with. And I've always sort of held on to that because I couldn't really put into, you know, physical terms of what I was looking at. I would see these sheets of information when people would stop to talk about when they would start to question their life experience. And so they have their own internal template as I'm watching all these energetic codes around them interface with the template. And so I just called them birthright codes. They were the things that were meant for them that they were born with, that have been carried down through their genetic coding of DNA. You know, we are our ancestors, our DNA. We are, we're born from, you know, infinite lifetimes of others. And so these codes were my best description of what I could see people sort of delving into. There'd be like these dormant aspects of themselves. Like, oh, I really love to paint, but I never really thought about it. And that's not really a useful tool for my future. You know, I, I can't go out and be a painter. I'm never going to make money. And it would be interesting because we would delve into all of this, you know, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And one of my clients that I saw a couple years later, she was like, oh yeah, I design book covers now. 
and I work with children like I always wanted to do. And I was like, man, those are those birthright codes that when we really take a moment to sit with what excites our heart or, you know, we stop living by the rules of what the world says we should. And we just take a moment to go, well, what would really make us happy? Those birthright codes, it's interesting. They light up. We feel that innocence of probably what we were always intended to do in spite of all the lessons. It's like ground zero. You were born anew with all of your possibilities. That's what it's always looked like to me. And so it's the best way it's been described to me. It's just our birthright opportunities, maybe just the blessings, the gifts that we were supposed to embody. Like the whole map is there. Yeah. The whole thing. And all we have to do is travel those paths. And you know what? I love that you just said all of that because that reminded me and totally connected, you know, back when I was like around nine or 10 and going through these experiences every night, one of the things that I was experiencing every night was this geometric pattern that I was part of, that I was inside of and traveling infinitely, you know, eternally. Ooh, I got chills. I love that. That memory just came back now. Well, I've been well aware of that memory. It's just that the way you described it is the most precise description of that experience I had back then. And I have never encountered any other way of connecting to it than the way you just described your experience with the Archangel Metatron and this sacred geometry that Metatron embodies. Yeah. I mean, you started off the conversation, if I'm like reflecting correctly, that you were saying, you know, that you would almost out of body experience each night, like death and rebirth. I mean, that just tells me that you're aware of all of your different experiences on different planes existing simultaneously. And that's kind of a crazy blessing to not feel like you're all over the place. And so I guess he would always just say to me, Metatron would say like, you know, we are quantum beings. And I only now am I really kind of getting into like the whole quantum field, but it is, it's like all those infinite possibilities, expressions and thoughts and emotions and experiences that are kept by my understanding in like this Akashic library, where it's like every possibility, even though we're predestined for some experiences more than others, that that tunnel feeling that you were kind of going in with all of that expression around you is the harmonious birthright code interfacing with the quantum field of opportunity around us. And so it's been like a spiritual journey for me to decipher and break down into my own third dimensional physical understanding of just, okay, we are our own quantum computer of a personal, very specific genetic coding predispositioned for lots of amazing, wonderful things. And when we really do the inner work, we kind of start to ignite those parts of our template that want to interface with all of our experiences outside of ourselves. And then it's really an amazing blooming experience. It's like I always see like a flower growing when they step into their authenticity, when somebody really just goes, you know what, I'm really going to chase this aspect of my life that makes me happy. And I'm going to see where it takes me. It's a hard lesson in this external world, but it's fun when people do. And so maybe, you know, if you were born from the very beginning, you have lots of birthright coding that is calling you always. I think you're absolutely right. I just wasn't aware of it. And I've never (sighs) thought of it in those exact terms. But I 
I love the way you described all of that. And I 1 million percent agree with you about that whole quantum notion. And it's like we each have our own thread to travel while also embodying and comprehending the infinite possibility, range of possibility that exists simultaneously all around us that we are not disconnected from. It's just that we have our own unique path through mm -hmm. the wholeness of all that is, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. Yes. And we, we get to said, yes. And and we get to dance with, well, not not necessarily an infinite number of other beings on their own paths, but whoever and whatever is meant for us. Is meant for us that we get mm -hmm. to cross paths with. And we don't just cross paths on the physical plane. You know, we cross paths in our dream world and in yes. and in other ways that we may only, you know, have a small inkling about. And yet they also like enrich our lives. Like you talk about the energy field. And I think of like that energy field as being the entire universe. And some people talk about it as like a, a holographic field, you know, all right. these terms to help us wrap our, our little minds around yep. <laughs> the infiniteness of all that is. Right. Yep. Yes. I mean, the expansive ideas of everything that exists in the multiverse. I love it though, because yeah. once you're seated in yourself, it's fun to imagine the infinite possibilities. If you're not seated in yourself though, I can see how, you know, expansive thinking can lead to feeling like you lose yourself because then you just feel so tiny in the speck of it rather than feeling so large as a collective. And like knowing that your unique and individualistic place is as important as everything else around you. And I love what you said about how, you know, some people are just a speck on our map in theory and they're existing with us in our dreams or, you know, just passing by us on our daily lives, but they're all part of that meant to be that integration of the way we influence each other, the way that we're influenced by our experiences. I will say though, you had me thinking that when people really, really embody their authentic self, right? Like we really step into this path that we were kind of really supposed to be born into. Do you feel like others kind of pop up in your life? I don't know. I always see like daisies coming out of the ground. I always feel like my soul tribe comes out of nowhere. I'll meet people in all different aspects of my life. And I always kind of take that as a nudging that I'm on track with something because I'm aligning with people that are meant to be in my field. Do you ever, do oh, you ever yes. feel that way? Oh, absolutely. Throughout my life, I've encountered that. Yeah. yeah. And at the same time, I think those are the more blatant, easy to recognize mm. examples of that. And I think we have that to all different levels and different degrees, including degrees that we completely dismiss as not being relevant. And yet I think right. it's all relevant because they're all threads that, you know, all together weave the great tapestry of all that is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of tapestry, by the way. The idea that we're all interwoven, making the greater whole of something beautiful. And to me, this is the most exciting thing of all. This infinite realm of quantum possibility of which we are an inextricable part of, including all the things that don't occur necessarily in our lives or in our dimension or, you know, however you want to put it. Like there's the notion of the multiverse, which includes all the other possibilities that didn't happen in this universe. Right. Ooh, 
which is what you were alluding to earlier. And I'm in total 100% agreement about all of it and just feel so enriched and nourished by all of that. And I feel like this this connection that we're having, you know, getting to talk about this is just reaffirming all of that. Yeah, I have to agree. I really do. I think my soul has lots to ponder after this chat. It's always really fun to get into other people's experiences. And so I'm so grateful that you were able to open up with your own personal spiritual journey in that, you know, just so much about our path is about our own internal experience about growth. And there is no cookie cutter way to move through something. And that's sort of what I've learned from this conversation is that we each have our own little journey to sort of come to peace with whatever we are hoping to make peace with, or we're hoping to grow through. And we have our own unique way of doing that. And I love hearing other people's experiences about working through some of those hard things and then how it's defined by, I guess, our experiences and our memories. I mean, I could go about this all day. I love the expansive thought. I love taking new ideas and new experiences to that next place and then going, but what if, or what do you think? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of fun today. (laughs) Yeah. To me, it's the most fun of all. And also, yeah, the, the realization that we are all an essential part of the whole in all of our own individual experiences Yeah, and add to the whole. It's like we're continually adding to the infinite expansion of the realm of experience and possibility, you know, in each moment, whatever we do, Mm -hmm. whether we feel good about it or not, whether we feel good about ourselves in those moments or not, we're still adding to the great collective field of knowing and experience that everybody can tap into. And that notion that there are no mistakes, no errors, we can't do anything wrong because everything serves to further the overall common evolution. I think that is one of spirit's greatest messages to us is to embody and embrace the experience, not to judge others for their experience, not to condemn others for their choosings, but to truly know that each one of our internal processes and each one of our hiccups or our oopses or our darns we should have, those are never wasted. Like you said, it's all part of seeing things from a new place, growing from our experiences, learning about self and others. And so, yeah, that's a growing up though. I don't know if I would have said, oh yeah, you know, when I was younger, I was so open to other people's experiences. But I think as you get older, you're like, wow, everything that anybody experiences has purpose. Everything that we contribute to our surroundings and ourselves benefits the whole. And so it's been fun. Not always, but (laughs) it's not always fun. Let's be real. Right. And we've been conditioned to judge things. And because of the minuteness of our perspective, we are in no position to judge anything, Mm -hmm. right? Including the most egregious things and the people that to our limited perspective, are doing terrible things. We don't know the big picture of the role they're playing in the overall scheme of things. And I think the great wisdom is that even they are an integral and an essential part of the greater whole, of yes, of the fabric of, of all that is. And everything within it serves everything else in very mysterious ways. And mm-hmm. that's often a continually very challenging thing to wrap our minds around especially, you know, the crazy state of the world these days. Yes. Yeah. I think it's hard to say that everything has purpose when there's so much heartache and hurt that is occurring across the world right now. But I think that if enough people were able to sort of make peace with the differences around them, 
that hopefully it would ripple out to create greater peace as a whole. That I guess what I'm saying is I, I feel like sometimes it can feel overwhelming, especially when there is so much, you know, political unrest and some horrible things that are happening on the other side of our planet that to say like, oh gosh, my one, you know, deeper acceptance of my neighbor who hurts me is going to make a difference. And it's that rippling idea that if humanity could kind of just, you know, make peace with one, not hurting each other, but two, the differences that our collective whole matters, that we are not out to, you know, hurt others to gain a greater foothold in our existence, that we can grow ourselves exponentially without having to tear down others. And I just see people upstairs in the <laughs> the great void of pre-mortal living in the spiritual world where they're just cheering us on to be like, peace, people, know yeah. your differences, accept yeah. your differences. Yeah, to make those choices, even in the face of the horrors that we're Hard. seeing around us and and to be able to embrace both sides of the equation mm-hmm. you know the horror and the wholeness at the same time the things that we aspire in the direction of but yeah. not judging the choices that we have learned don't mm-hmm. work for us but at the same time are actually probably assisting all of us in some ways that we can't fathom yeah ooh the heavy topics of reality right Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to give you the opportunity to tell us about the work that you do and that you offer to people. So I established the Ascension Institute because my clientele was diversifying. I started off as a medium. So I still have my tried and true helping people connect with loved ones no longer in the physical world. But it started to evolve because people would come back to me and say, I think I have my own gifts. And I was like, oh, that's exciting. Let's delve into that. So I established the Ascension Institute because my clientele evolved. So I do Ascension coaching. I meet you where you are. We take into consideration your specific goals, what you want to grow, what you want to experience. And then we kind of go from there. I have energy therapy. So I have my master's in clinical psychology. So to work as an associate licensed marriage family therapist. But the idea is that a lot of people would come and do traditional talk therapy. You sit one-on-one with your therapist, right? And sort of delve into the things that you're experiencing. But it was really hard for me to sit there and not want to work on an energetic level. So I blended my educational and my spiritual know-how and as people can sort of delve into their own traditional talk therapy, I would work on an energetic level to kind of clear their experiences. It still requires talking, which I like because then it's not just me healing. There's no such, I don't, I don't believe there's such thing as a healer. I think healers are people who hold a high frequency of something and then it's up to us to, you know, go and experience whatever their frequency is. But I like to just believe that I'm able to do something on an energetic level because the body really does keep score, like the book says. I also offer Akashic readings because of my pre-mortal memories. I do have my spiritual ability to sort of delve into people's energetic blueprints. And we go through all of the inner child healing, all of the dimensional healing. And people are always like, I don't know why this specific lesson keeps showing up in my life. This one specific person always shows up whenever I hit this monumental milestone in my life and it's repetitive. And oftentimes we find out it's just because they have ancestral or pre-life trauma that needs to be cleared. So I do Akashic reading and then I do starseed readings because I do believe that we are a multitude of dimensional beings from all different star systems that have come here to partake in this planet's ascension. And so lots of people have come to me and said, do you see my starseed lineage? And 
I think in the last couple of years, I've really kind of started to embrace that within my own journey and walk that I am a starseed and that my pre-mortal memories make a little more sense now that I can understand that we were probably from lots of different places. And so that's the one-on-one session idea that I really kind of offer my clients. And then I I do definitely do classes and one-on-one sessions for healers who want to learn about light body work and energetic birthright codes. I can definitely teach that. And I've been working a lot with Ascension sessions. So helping people clear their light body on the quantum level. So quickly, we want to reshape and upgrade and then let them go off with their new (laughs) rememberings and spiritual gifts. So that's been my body of work for the last couple of years. I've been doing a medium for the last 15, but but a lot of this has really kind of birthed in the last couple of years. The starseed thing is also fairly recent for me too. Mm-hmm. And of Ooh. course, it's also, you know, completely counter to our cultural upbringing. Yeah. So that can be a, a really hard thing for people to to even begin to open their minds to the possibility mm-hmm. of. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, when they hear about Starseed and our connection and, and origins to other parts of the universe, can trigger a kind of shutting down of one's mind, right? Yeah. I will say it's been my greatest growth of inner healing because I was raised in a religious system. So the idea that there would be you know, different types of beings. I mean, it doesn't fit the evolutional template that like religion says we're supposed to believe in, or that if you believe that star seeds exist, that you're somehow abandoning your religious beliefs. And it's just been this harmony of both because I guess for me personally, it's been my pre-mortal memories that have kind of created a reassurance within myself that I'm not, you know, abandoning God or my foundational beliefs by believing in something different. But it has been this kind of new age shift where it's not always easy to say, hey, you can have a love for a God's source creator or universe or higher self, whatever, and believe that we could possibly have had other incarnations in other, you know, universal systems. It still kind of tugs at my heart, but the more that I open to it, the more that it makes sense for my memory. So I just have to continue to grow it. And there's been some wonderful people I've met through Starseed Awakening that I've only ever felt love for. And I'm like, well, gosh, there's something to it. The idea that the universe holds more than just <laughs> a human existence. Right. A single planetary human yeah. existence. Or <laughs> or even just a three-dimensional or four-dimensional yes. human experience. Yes. <laughs> and of course, when you think in terms of the quantum nature of the universe, it should at least begin to make sense that all of these things are not only just possible, but simultaneously very probably exist everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of just, you know, trying to wrap our mind around something to realize maybe we just have to work on our predisposed bias against things outside of our narrow little kitty litter box, right? (laughs) There it is again, right? Change. We don't love change. Or the unknown. Unknown. Anything beyond our comfort zone. Yes. And for many people, because our society is so intellectually oriented, our comfort zone is very intellectually structured. Yes, it really is. You know, it is ingrained in us as like a human being to defend what we believe, 
to rather than be open with other people who believe like us, but to challenge ourselves to be open to people who don't believe like us, that we need to dig our heels in with our specific thinking. And no, no two human is alike. Like even if we align on a lot of things, we're not going to align on everything. There's no other human in the world that's going to say, my exact belief is exactly like yours. There's always varying degrees because of our experiences and stuff. And so just like you said, the probability is actually greater than we can even imagine. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we are so tiny in our thinking. There's so much that we haven't even thought about, or we can barely understand about our own little mini universe, just our own planets and a moon and a sun. We're still baffled by the things that occur in it, let alone a multiverse of things. Possibilities are endless. Yeah. And I think, you know, our sense of separation that we've been brought up Mm. with just breeds more notions of separation that, you know, we weave together to create stories of the known that we think create security. Yes. We will do anything to feel stable when we feel unstable in our experience or our thinking. We like to have everything sorted out. (laughs) But ultimately, all they do is separate us from all that is. And the great possibility that's available to all of us. Mm-hmm. And maybe not all of us are ready to make those kind of leaps or, or to take that kind of a journey. But to me, that's the most exciting thing in life. And to think about people who are oriented in the opposite direction or too narrowly boxed in or afraid of that, it kind of makes me feel sad. But at the same time, I guess I just need to you know respect everybody wherever they are because we all have our own unique roles in life, right? Yep, 100%. It's fun little balance, right? To respect the opposition, to respect what somebody else is very grounded in. But at the same time, I've also learned that it's okay to say, hey, you know what? I would love some soul alignment with a few others that even if they're not exactly like me are open. And I love to challenge myself to be open to the greater I guess, you know, baseline level of comfortability, but also at the same time, like just this conversation alone is an expansive conversation. And I crave that too. So it's been a journey to say, you know what, I'm going to open myself up to infinite possibilities. And then there have just been so many unique individuals that have sort of filtered into my life as of late that kind of, you know, crave expansive thinking or have had expansive experiences, you know, people that work in space, NASA, it's just amazing what happens when we open our hearts up to expansive thought. I just think people's life path experiences just explode when we kind of let go. But again, though, we can't let go when we're in chaos. We have to let go when we're in peace with our inner selves. And that doesn't mean that we have it all figured out, just that we're not fighting ourselves consistently. So it's an evolution, right? (laughs) We're always evolving. Yeah. And we're also oscillating, fluctuating between those states, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Because the nature of the constancy of change is that kind of oscillation of all these dynamics and the dynamic tension between the two that is beyond us to understand or figure out, but to just accept that we exist within kind of like the heart of, right? Yep. I love that. I'm going to write down oscillating. New (laughs) word. That's going to be my new word of the day. Thank you. (laughs) Sort of like the alternating current of the universe. I love it. I love it. So your website that people can find you is? TheAscensionInstitute.com. 
you will mm. find me there. My services are listed there. You can find my social media pages there. I'm always happy to interface with my clients through all my social media pages. Lots of people will find me and say they've had an experience or want clarity on an expression. And I just try to make myself available on every platform. So the easiest way to get a hold of me, though, is the ascensioninstitute.com. And then it has all my email and information there. Well, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. I mean, it's so have I. (laughs) So, so incredibly delicious. And it's just been so wonderful to connect with you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being so open. It was just such a pleasure. Oh, it's totally, totally my pleasure. And thank you. And be well. Bye bye. Emmy Leah is a renowned medium trained psychotherapist and energy therapist. She helps clients tap into what she calls their birthright codes to unlock their spiritual gifts and life purpose. And that's it for this Magical Mystery Tour. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, take good care of yourselves and each other. 